All right. Let's start with a little story today. Story time. There was an elderly couple lying in bed. The wife is not satisfied with the distance that was in between them. So she reminds him, she says, honey, when you, we were young, you used to hold my hand while we were in bed. He hesitates, but a few moments later, a wrinkled hand slides across the bed and grasps hers. A moment later, she's still not satisfied. She's still not happy. And she says, but when we were young, you used to cuddle up right beside me, right beside me. More, a more serious hesitation comes from the man. <sighs> but eventually, with a few groans, he laboriously, you know, working hard at turning over, turns his body and cradles hers as best as he could. His wife is still not satisfied. When we were young, you used to nibble on my ear at night. With a loud sigh, ugh, he throws back the covers, he gets out of bed, and goes to the bathroom. And his wife is now hurt by this. And she's like, what? where are you going? And he says, honey, I got to go get my teeth. <laughs> Today's message is titled Intimacy. Now, many of you may have had an idea or a notion of what it may have been that we were talking about, but we won't be discussing intimacy between a man and a woman, not today. We are talking about intimacy between us and God. Right now, half the online audience is like, oh, I thought it was about, you know, and they got on. <laughs> Do you know that many people, and I've said this before, many people know about God. Many people know about God, but very few people truly, truly know him intimately. Do you know how sad it would be to be there the day of resurrection, we're with our Lord, and to have never known him intimately? To have never known him intimately. We meet him face to face, but you've never truly known his heart. Let's start off today with a scripture found in Exodus 33. Exodus 33, uh, uh, verses one, 11 through 16. I'm going to read all of this. Just be patient. I want you to pay attention to the words of these verses. And picture it in your scene. Picture the scene in your head. Inside the tent of meeting... The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. The same way I'm speaking to you right now, Angel, the Lord was speaking to Moses face to face in that way as one speaks to a friend. Afterwards, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. One day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. 
You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. I want, I want to read that one more time. I want, I want, Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me, and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Amen. This passage of scripture, it, it, deals, with, it deals with the necessity of knowing God personally, about knowing him personally, you know. Um, and the key that we saw about knowing God intimately is found in verse 13, and, and it was when he said, if it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your way so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. This is a prayer of Moses. This is Moses' prayer to the Lord. And in order for us to know God intimately, and I say intimately, right, we have to know the ways of God. There are two ways that we can know God. We can know God casually or intimately. And I want us to do a self-reflection as we continue this morning and ask yourselves, am I in a casual relationship with God or am I in an intimate relationship with him? Am I in a casual relationship with God or am, intimate, or am I intimate with God? Again, we can all know about God. We can know or we can truly know him. The Israelites, they know what God can do. They knew what God can do, right? The Israelites knew that, but they did not know the ways of God. In Psalms 103 Verse 7, it says, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Another word for acts is works. So God made his ways known unto Moses, but he made his works known to the children of Israel. Moses knew the ways of God. The nation of Israel understood the works of God. And I want you guys to understand that this is, I want, to dis, I want to start to separate the two so we can understand that the ways of God is far more different than the works of God. There are people today, they know what God can do. They know his works, but they don't know his ways. They don't know God intimately. They just 
hear about what God can do and perhaps have even seen what God can do. Matter of fact, if I tell Sasha to take the baby and, and, and go around the whole thing, we are all going to see the works of God. We're all going to see that. But do we all understand his ways? There's a major difference. We need to look beyond the works of God and, and seek to understand his ways. As Christians, many of us, once we know about God and we see his works, we get comfortable right here. We get comfortable right here and we stop. We stop. We don't dig deeper. We don't search more intensely. We don't gather. We don't do our best to get more intimate with God. We get comfortable with knowing about God and we get comfortable about seeing all the things that God can do. And we're okay. We need to look beyond the works and we need to see the ways of God. You know, um, I know that there was a joke between my wife and I, and I would be like, God likes you more than me. You're his favorite between us. And so the question is, does God have favorites? Um, the answer is no. He doesn't have favorites. But he has intimates. He doesn't have favorites, but there are some of us that are intimate with God. This is, this is I mean, and guess what? You choose what type of relationship you want to have. Do you want to have a casual relationship with God or an intimate one? He does not have favorites, but he does have intimates. In the New Testament, we see in the New Testament that we find Peter, James, and John were not necessary favorites of the Lord, but they were intimate. They had intimate relationships with Jesus Christ. They were close they were in, in this circle. They, they knew more about him. They knew, they understood him. They were, they were with him. How would you like to be on intimate terms with Jesus? How would you like that? How would your life be different? Think about how your life would be different if you were on intimate terms with God. How would you like for God to show you his ways. His ways. One thing is to see what God has done and what he can do. But one thing is to really understand why God would do certain things. Right? Knowing the ways of God will bring peace to your troubled souls. How many of us have troubled souls? We're going <laughs> to. I said I'm going to share a little bit about our week a little bit in a minute. But knowing the ways of God brings trouble, peace to our troubled souls. It brings stability to our lives. It brings victory to our lifestyles when we understand the ways of God. A lot of people are infatuated with the Lord. Can, 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 we, can we talk about this for a moment? Infatuation, right? All right. You're at work, you're at school, and, and you're single. Let's talk to the single people right now, right? And you see, you know, uh, a young man sees a girl that he likes, and he's like, wow, she looks nice. She's good. Let me see if I can talk to her. Let me try to get her number. Let me try. And then all of a sudden, they start to talk a little bit. 
And then she, you know, she plays a little hard to get, like some people did a little bit, <laughs> right? And, 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 then, and, then, and then you're like, you're like man, I got I to gotta try to talk to her more. I got to try to see her more. I got to send her emails while she's at work. Texting, calling, emails, five-hour phone calls throughout the night. Infatuation. We're infatuated. He doesn't really know at that moment in the very beginning. See, because what happens is when there's an attraction, the very beginning stages of relationships are usually based on infatuation. Now, guess what? That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it cannot stay in an infatuation stage. Just like some of us right now are comfortable, infatuated with God, say we're in love with all the things that he does. Oh, I love when God does this, and I, and I love when God does that. And, I, and, and you know what? He's powerful. He's mighty. And, and, and like, okay, yeah, we know all these things, right? Because we all know these things. But what else? Where's the meat of your relationship with him? Or are you just happy being infatuated with Jesus? Now, I know that some, some sermons have kind of geared us to want to be, like, infatuated with Jesus, right? But that's not wrong. I'm saying it has to go past that. We cannot stay where we're at. We were talking, um, and, and, and we were talking about just what does God want? Um, what, does, what is God really telling you? What is God really showing you? And, and one of the things that came up in our conversation was, we're like, like, some people just really need to know how to be a Christian. Remember? Like, we were talking, like, there's some people that really, are, they, I don't know. They're infatuated with all the cool stuff that they see or they hear, or maybe the music, or maybe whatever. But, but where is your relationship with God. Many of us are stuck in an infatuation stage with the Lord. We see the appearance. We see the style, right? We see what God can do, and we, and we think, wow, this is amazing. He's amazing. And it ends there. Like a young, like a young couple, right? They think that they're in love with each other, but they're not in love it's an infatuation. You can't, teenagers, I'm talking to y'all first, right now. You cannot love someone without truly knowing the ways of that person. And so what happens is this, oh, I love him. <laughs> Mommy, please, I got to see him again. I love him. No, you don't. Nobody even knows it. What's his last name? I don't know. Listen, you cannot love someone until you know the ways of that person. And many times it comes with much time invested in a relationship before you realize that you love someone. Pastor, you don't believe in love at first sight? I believe that infatuation at first sight. And for some of y'all, lust at first sight. Love at first sight now. The only one <laughs> that, that we can say loved at first sight was our creator who loved us at first sight. He created us and he said, it is good. Real good. 
people get divorced for petty reasons these days. And it's mainly because they got married for petty reasons. And I know that's hard, but think about it. Some people get married in, during an infatuation stage. They don't know each other. They don't know the ways of each other. They don't, they, they don't, they never truly understood. They may have known what individually they wanted. Today's message, I want to touch on three things. Three things, um, three aspects of ultimately, truly knowing God intimately. And the first thing I want to talk about is when we know God intimately, he gives us rest. He gives us rest. Say rest. rest. <sighs> Some of y'all have almost fell asleep right there with the word. <laughs> Exodus 33, 14 says, the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. If we only know about God and we only know about the works of God, then we will never have rest. And let me explain that to you. What happens is this. We know what God has done and we know what he can do. We know the works of God. We don't know his ways. So all of a sudden something happens in your life and you hit the panic button. Right? Panic. 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 The children of God were constantly worried and murmuring because all they did was see the works of God. Think about it. The, the, nation, the nation of Israel firsthand saw God's works, right? They saw the miracles that he performed. They saw that he opened up the Red Sea for them. Come on. He delivered them from captivity. They go, now they stand before this, this big red sea. Pharaoh's army is behind them. They're going to die. All of a sudden, the waters part. They walk across on dry ground, and God delivers them from Egypt. All of a sudden, further down in the scripture, you see that they were hungry, so God fed them. He gave them manna from heaven. I mean, I don't know. I mean, can you imagine? Could, could we could imagine just how does that work? I mean, is it on the, is it just falling out of the sky and you're like holding your shirt up to trying to catch some? I, I don't know. Manna from heaven. They saw how when they were thirsty and there was no water, God made water come out of a rock. Yet, although they know all the works of God, they yet did not understand his ways. And because they did not understand his ways, you find a nation completely murmuring against the same God that was giving them all these things in the first place. They saw his works. They ate his works. And yet, they didn't understand his ways. So when things were not going right, they complained. They panicked. They were frustrated because they did not understand his ways. Church, we need to know him, not just know about him. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 10 to 11, it says, Therefore, 
I was angry with that generation. And they said they always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Okay. All right. Remember I said, if we understand his ways, he gives us rest. Because we read where God told Moses, like, I'm going with you and I will give you rest. Because, you know, like, I'm with you and I'll give you rest. But then we see here, I was angry with that generation. They always go astray in their hearts. They go astray in their hearts. Because they don't know my ways. If all we know are the works of God and we don't understand his ways, when things happen in our lives, our heart will stray. Our heart will stray. You ever, you ever notice in your walk with God that you may want to be doing some of the right things? You may want to have the right intentions, but yet your heart isn't in it? Your heart isn't in it? Like you just feel like, oh, I mean, I wish I did, but I just don't really feel like it. I wish I could help more in the church, but I really just don't feel like it. I wish I, could, I, I wish I could minister to this person, but I really don't feel like it. And it's almost like your heart is going against what you really would really like to do. They don't know his ways, therefore their heart goes astray. And then he says this, because they don't know his ways, he says, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. I don't know about you. That just sounds bad. That just, they shall not, first of all, I swore in my wrath, comma, they shall not enter my rest. I don't want to be they in this sentence. I don't want to be in any sentence that has to do with God's wrath. Church, we cannot settle. We cannot settle for just understanding or seeing the works of God. God was grieved. He was grieved by this generation of the children of Israel at this moment. They did not know his ways, and therefore he was not going to give them rest. If we see what God does... If all we see is what God does and we don't understand who he is intimately, then we will never have rest. Church is important. It's not just about knowing or hearing about God. It's about digging deep and wanting and desiring a relationship, personal relationship. Sunday services is great because you hear a word. Right? And if you don't know what you're supposed to do with Sunday's word, let me give you a little practical application, a little class. So you hear Sunday service. Some of you are taking notes. And some of you say, I'll just watch it again. Okay. Whatever case may be. But then Monday comes and you go before God in prayer. And maybe you touch on a couple of verses that were spoken to on a Sunday. 
and you say, Lord, speak to me, guide me. How is this, how is this applied to my life? What do you want me to do? And then the next day you, folk, you go back to the message and you go, and the next day you go back to the message and what you're doing is you're med, how, how are you meditating on the word of God if you're not doing this? And it's not talking about just me. Any, anyone who's bringing you the word on a Sunday, whoever's preaching here on a Sunday, when God, take that message and chew on it the way Al says. I like, chew on it. Spend the week chewing on it. You know what it is when you buy like the real cheap steaks and, like, and you're chewing on it, chewing on it, chewing on it, chewing on it. Like it should, it should be like that. It should be, you should be chewing on it all week. I guarantee you that if you make it a habit of taking notes or using the replay to watch it again and then study and watch again and study. What I'm telling you is God will speak to you at another level. He'll show you things that he didn't show you this morning. Because this is just the tip of the iceberg of what God is probably wanting to do in many of your lives. And so what happens is you take this and you begin to meditate on it and he begins to speak to you through his word. As you meditate on the word, he speaks to you through his word. And then before you know it, you have understood his ways on certain things based on the scripture and on, on the message, whatever. You understood the ways. Now, guess what? Once you have an understanding of things, you guys know that it's easy to share that, right? You guys ever try to share something that you really didn't understand? As I get into my story later, the plumber, and my, the plumber came to my house and he tried to explain to me the layouts of the pipes and, and how everything was affected. So as I'm trying to re- iterate what happened in my house to like Marcus and Dennis and, and whoever I'm talking to. I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. The pipes are just, the pipes were there and it was, it was under, under the house and that's how I'm sharing it. Why? Because I don't understand the ways of the layout of the pipes in my house. So I can't fully explain it correctly. But if I were to understand the schematics of the pipes and the engineering of how everything, then I would, I would explain it in such a way that, that it would make sense to anyone listening. When we meditate on the word of God, not only do we understand the works we see, the word, but then we get to understand his ways. And now, guess what? When you tell someone about Jesus, you're talking like you know something. You, you, you sound like you know a little something something. It's not about having to go to se seminary or this and that to try to explain who Jesus is. No, it's about understanding his ways so that when people ask you about Jesus, you're like, oh, Jesus, come on, let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about this guy named Jesus. Let me tell you how he changed my life. Let me tell you how he set me free. Because you understand the ways of what God does when we're bound. He sets us free. It's not that you've seen it. You understand the ways of God. The children of Israel were doing fine as long as the works of God kept coming through. God, keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Wait. Just manna? Ain't going to give us no meat? Just bread? Yeah, that, then, then he responded with that. I'm about to get to that, though. That, that's, that's next. In the next section. It's like... It's like, what? I'm complaining. First of all, if, if God sends manna from heaven, I ain't complaining. Like, that's a miracle as it is. I mean, I would maybe say, hey, God, thank you for the manna. If you ever want to throw some meat out there, you know, do what you got to do. But I ain't complaining. I'm not complaining. 
But what happens is as soon as he didn't do what they wanted or how they wanted, they start complaining. They start to panic. Our ways and God's ways are different. We understand that, right? We know that, right? Don't think that your way is God's way because it's not. Do you know that God's ways bring us confusion? Many times we're confused with God's ways. We're like, what are you doing, God? What's happening here? Has anyone? Nobody? Come on. Nobody? Okay. Because. Busted pipes. God's ways are confusing to our human wisdom. You have Peter and James both arrested for preaching the gospel. Right? James was beheaded, but Peter ended up delivering a miraculous sermon out of the same, you know, uh, out of uh, the same prison. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 souls came to Christ. Yet Stephen, when he preached, he got stoned to death. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God, how, how does they both were all they all three were doing the same thing. Why? His ways are not our ways. And if we try to understand them with human reasoning, it's going to bring confusion. To know the ways of God is the way of rest and tranquility. If you don't know his ways, then what happens is you will find yourself pushing the panic button every time. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Some of us know that we live like that. Don't you want to relax? That's my dad's favorite word. Relax. Relax. And it does the opposite when he says it to me. <laughs> relax. Don't tell me to relax. But some of us are like, <laughs> every, like uh, we live our lives like that. Stop. Take a breath. And just understand that we need to go past understanding the works, uh, seeing works of God and wanting to understand the ways of God so we can enter in his rest. Nothing else will give us true rest than the presence of God. He says, he says to God, um, God says to Moses that he says, when I go, I will bring, you will be in my rest. So he's pretty much saying that he will give us rest when his presence goes with us. And there's nothing that will bring us rest other than the presence of God. And so we should be desiring the presence of God in our lives. The second thing I want to talk about, to know God intimately brings stability. It brings stability. The difference between Moses and the people of Israel was that the children of Israel, and the word here is called, they were fickle. They were fickle people. Fickle means erratic, unstable, you know, they, they double-minded, you know. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. Let me write that down. Wishy-washy. Fickle. That's what it is. They, they were fickle people. Yesterday, no tomorrow. Here today, no tomorrow. I mean, they were unstable. And guess what? Fickle Christians are Christians that are infatuated with God. They're infatuated with God. When God parted the Red Sea, 
The children of, a, of Israel, they sang songs. They sang song of Moses and of the Lamb. They were leaping and dancing and praising God for what he had done. And three days later, they were in the wilderness with no water and they were complaining. You brought us out here to die. <laughs> and now they want to go back to Egypt. When we don't understand the ways of God and we enter into a situation like these Israelites did at this moment, when they are just comfortable in their walk as long as they're seeing the works of God, then the moment we don't see the works of God, we go back to the things of this world. They wanted to go back to slavery. They were willing to go back to Egypt as slaves because they had not seen the works of God in three days. Three days. It would take a lot longer than three days after I just walked through dry ground. If the seas just parted, it's going to take me a lot longer before I'm complaining about anything. Three days later, they're saying, let's go back to Egypt. Because they only were dependent on the works of God. And they did not understand his ways. They were infatuated with God, but they were not intimate with him. If we don't know God intimately, we will not be stable Christians. This is something that, um, this, is, this is what takes the most of my time, church. As a pastor, what takes the most of my time is the instability of the Christian walk with some people. If we do not know the ways of God, we will not be stable Christians. And so therefore, every situation that happens alters your faith, alters your commitment, alters your dependability. Alter I mean, we have to understand that, that, the, that if we knew the ways of God, then we would not be dependent on seeing works in our lives. Can't we get to a place like the three Hebrew boys that was like, all right, God's going to save me from this fire. But even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, it's not easy. I know it's easier said than done. But you know how people be like, goals, relationship goals, life goals. That should be goals right there. Be like the three Hebrew boys in the fire. That's goals. To look, to look persecution in the face and say, no, I won't bow down to this. I know who I serve. He will save me. Faith. But even if it doesn't, but even if he doesn't, I'm okay. Throw me in there. Goals. We'll just we'll just we'll be just like the nation. You saw how you saw how crazy it sounded when I said just three days later that they wanted to go back to Egypt. We are just like that. We're, we do the same thing when we begin to complain and murmur and doubt and lack faith after the fact that we know who he is. Like we know who God is, just like they knew. They saw what he had done. We see what God has done. And then we turn around and we do the same things. 
Sometimes we're up. Sometimes we're down. Sometimes we're. Sometimes we're. Because all we see are the works of God without knowing the ways of God. We don't know the heart and mind of God. Now, there were those who followed the Lord Jesus, right, when they saw his works. John 2, 23 to 25 says, Now he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs that which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man before he knew what was in man. The word believe in verse 23 and the word commit in verse 24 are the same word used in the Greek language, right? They, they didn't believe in Jesus. They believed in Jesus, but Jesus didn't believe in them. Isn't that crazy? They believed in Jesus, but he didn't believe in them. They, Jesus knew they were miracle chasers. He knew what they were after. He knew what they wanted to see. Are you not entertained? Probably Jesus probably put his foot up there. Are you not entertained? He knew what they wanted. We can't live our Christian lives being miracle chasers. Prophetic word chasers. That's not who, that's not, that's not what God has called us to be. As a matter of fact, I don't want anything to do with that because he said that they believed in him, but he did not believe, he, he did not believe in them. He knew that all that they saw were his works and the miracles that he performed. But they didn't see the crucifixion. They didn't see the coming cross. They didn't see any of that. Jesus fed 5,000 people, more, more than 5,000 people. And the crowds of people, they followed him. <sighs> but when he talked to them about deeper spiritual principles, they left. All in the same chapter, John chapter 6. It's crazy. Read it, read it, read it. John chapter 6, we won't read the miracle stuff. You guys know, break the bread, break the fish. All of a sudden, a lot of people, a lot of people eating. A couple things happen, a couple things happen. He's talking, he's talking. People still following him. All of a sudden, you know, um, chapter 6, verse 60 to 66, it says, Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is hard. This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Jesus, you're, you're saying some hard things here. Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this. He said to them, does this offend you? <laughs> what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. He said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. 
I know we know about the 12 disciples that he handpicked, but there were other people that followed him. There were other people that joined them. But when his teaching got deep and required some serious life changes, people walked away. Because, wait a minute, it's, it's not going to be the Jesus show no more? It's, it's not about just the miracles? It's not just about the, the cool things that you're doing? Now, wait, I actually have to change my life? I actually have to sacrifice and surrender? I actually have to, wait, be obedient to everything you want? Wait, 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 there's no, wait, wait, wait. I just thought I was having fun here. I, I, I was just infatuated with you. I wasn't, I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't, I mean, I'm not ready for this serious relationship. I just want to be friends with benefits. Some of y'all are like, what does that mean? Pat, shut up, shut up, stop, 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 stop. Wait a minute, I just, no, I just, I, I just, I just want to be, you know, I just want to be friends and maybe do, you know, maybe, maybe appear as we may be intimate, but I don't really want intimacy. I don't, I don't want commitment. I don't want, I don't want the responsibility that comes along with all that. God wants us to be intimate with him. He doesn't want us to be infatuated with him. He doesn't want us to stay like that. We have to go in a deeper, in a deeper place with him. These people were fickle. <laughs> they had no stability. They had no stability. If we only see the works of God when everything is fine, then when troubles come, it's going to rock your world. And it may rock your faith. And it may cause you to be like, I can't do this Christian thing no more. Well, well why? What, what did this Christian thing do to you? I mean, none of this was supposed to happen. Uh, who told you that? Who told you that nothing bad was ever going to happen? Who told you that everything was going to be perfect? Who told you it was all going to be peaches and cream? Trials and tribulations will come. You will have trouble in this world. But when we face these troubles, understanding God's ways, we don't get rocked by them. That's the difference. We don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't break us. It doesn't break us. We've seen some broken people out there. We have someone that we have, we, we walk alongside Christ. He is more than a conqueror, victorious. Lastly, we know God intimately. Um, to know God intimately is the way of necessity. Why did Moses pray this prayer? Why, what was going on? Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai. Um, God gave him the Ten Commandments. He comes back down from having this awesome God mountaintop, literally, experience. Right? He comes down and he sees that Aaron and all the other people had made a golden calf like they did when they were worshiping in Egypt. Um, God's, God was angry. His anger um, burned against them. Mo Moses was scared for his people. He was scared for them. 
And Moses knew that God had every right to be like, soup. <laughs> and that's it. But he interceded for the children of Israel. I don't know, it was in Bible study, I think we spoke about there's a, there's a power when we put aside our stuff and we intercede for people. Was it Bible study we mentioned that? We, when we intercede for someone else. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on. But in the scriptures that we read on Thursday night, we saw that, like, it was divided into three sections of his prayer. And the very tiny part of the section was praying for himself. And then there was a majority of the section was praying for others. A person who knows God intimately can be an intercessor. Because Moses understood the ways of God, and when he saw what the people had done, him knowing the ways of God, he was like, oh, snap, what did y'all do? What did you guys do? God, please, 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 please. Because he knew the ways of God. Exodus 33, 1 to 3 says, Then Moses said to the people, Get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, I will give this land to your descendants. I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jezubites. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey. But I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. This is almost, this is a little bit, this is kind of a little bit of comedy here, but with like some like seriousness. God is saying, all right, look, Moses, take your people, leave. I'll give you the promised land. I'll send angels to defeat all the Hittites, Hittites, all that stuff, right? But I'm not going with you. Because if I go with you, y'all ain't going to make it. It ain't going to work out. Isn't this, isn't this like, this is God speaking to Moses. In answer to Moses' prayer, God he said, go, do all these things. I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll set it all up for you, but I'm not going with you. Later in verse 15, we saw that Moses, he said, if God wasn't going with them, he didn't want to go. Moses did not want Canaan without God. Moses did not want the blessing without the blesser. Moses didn't want victory without the victor. Moses did not want land without the Lord. Hmm. Makes me wonder... Can we have provision and protection and still not have God's presence? Because according to this scripture, according to the B-I-B-L-E, it says, I'm going to take care of all this and I'm going to give you all this, but I'm not going with you. This should frighten us. A lot of people will settle. A lot of people are settling for eternal security. I accept the Christ. I'm okay. 
This this is this reality. I I, I prayed a prayer. I, I I I'm okay now. And 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 they say that they're saved and going to heaven, and they're okay with not seeking the intimate presence of God in their everyday life. If you come and accept Christ, and you and you make a decision to be a Christian, and you want to be discipled. That's all great things, but there are some people that are not willing to take the next step and say, I want the presence of God in my life daily. Many people would have taken what was offered. They take the deal. Take the deal. Moses was like, I ain't taking it. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Most people, they were like, you know what? If God, you're going to give me what? Brand new car, brand new house, brand new everything, million dollars in the bank, but you're not going with me? I mean, hey, I see you, I see you. This is God's blessing. It's okay. I don't really need God here if he's giving me this blessing. Do you, do you see, do you see the, 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 mix up, the mix in all this? <laughs> don't think because we have the things that we want that we know God intimately. Church, some of us are very comfortable. Some of us are comfortable. Don't think that because we have the things that we want, we know God intimately. Like Omar shouted, he gave them meat, remember? You know what I mean? Psalms 106, 15, and he gave them their request. That's talking about the meat. When they were like, oh, you just giving us manna? All right. He gave them their request but sent leanness into their soul. Wow. Now, we can go. I, I was looking up leanness, and there's a whole nother study on what that really is. But I want you to understand that, to, to simplify it, his request, like the, the, the grant of his request came with plague. Let's just go, let's go straight to the end. It came with plague, and many people died. The problem for us is that we're doing just fine. We live in a nice house. We live in a nice place. We're comfortable. We have a decent job. You know, the children are healthy. Everyone's going good. We get to put some money in the bank. Uh, every, you know, we live in a prison of prosperity. Wow. Some of us. We live in a prison of prosperity. God is with us. Is he? Is he? I mean, because he just told the Israelites he was going to give them everything and wasn't going to be with them. People say money will not satisfy. The problem is that it's not that money does not satisfy. The problem is that the greater problem is that money can satisfy the physical needs. It's a very dangerous thing to be satisfied with the things of this world and have Canaan without the presence of God. To know God intimately brings rest, it brings stability, and it brings necessity. Ah, church. We can't take prosperity or victory or a land flowing with milk and honey as a substitute for truly knowing God intimately. We can't just be like, well, since I have this and God has given me this and God has given me this, that I know him. Do you? St. Augustine, 
his here, one of the early church fathers, asked this question. If God were to come and offer you anything you wanted, any pleasure you desired, that you could live forever, but that you would never see his face, would you take that proposition? I'm going to tell you a real story, a true story. When my wife and I were youth pastors, um, we had a young man that I believe God brought to our presence. He was from Chicago. He, re he relocated his whole life um, to move to Philadelphia without knowing us. He kind of knew Nana a little bit, right? And, and he relocated himself to Philadelphia from Chicago by himself. Didn't have no job, didn't have no house, didn't have anything. Um, at the time, the church had some living quarters that we had, so we, we put him in the church. We put him up in the church. He got a job. He started like helping out in the church. You know, just anywhere where the church needed to be clean. He would play instruments. He would he would just be so involved, he, and he was giving his life to just the service of the ministry. On youth nights, he wanted to be a big part of youth nights. And I remember at the time, we didn't know this guy, and and as Veronica and Caesar, you they will tell you, teenagers become your babies. Those are your babies. And here is this random guy from Chicago. Hey, I want to help out with the youth group. And I'm like, I don't know you. I said, um, why don't you set the chairs up for us on Friday nights when we show up, they'll be done already. And he did it without murmuring. Well, why don't you pick it all up when we're done? And he did it without murmuring. Why don't you? And he would do anything without murmuring. And eventually, as he grew as into family and, and as we got to know him and so forth, um, he became very attached with Four of the young men in our church, and our son was one of them. And I remember nights that they would stay in the temple praying by themselves. They would lock themselves in the church, and these four teenage boys and this young adult, he was 23, would stay there praying all night. They weren't told to do that. I didn't ask them to do that. They, were, they asked me permission if they could. I'm like, uh, yeah, of course. We got into a little program where every Friday night, another young person would bring a, a small message. We wanted to teach the teenagers how to, how to preach, how to talk in front of a group, how to, not, how to get past the, the, the public fear or the public speaking fear, right? So every Friday night, we had a different teenager bring a word. This Friday night, it was his turn. And I remember him saying these specific words. He's like, I can't wait to be in heaven. I can't wait to be in heaven. But. If heaven doesn't have the presence of God, all it is is another theme park. And I don't want it. He said that if heaven did not have the presence of God, it doesn't matter how great it was, he didn't want it. And to wrap up the story, he ended up dying a couple months later. Tragic, a tragic death that really traumatized a lot of our youth and even us but I but in his own funeral we played his sermon because we were recording every teenager every Friday night and he preached a message uh, it was titled like uh, heaven God is my reward that everything was just to be in the presence of God, that his ultimate reward was to be with the Father. He preached his own sermon at his funeral. 
and we knew that he was with the Father. If it doesn't have God, I don't want it. I don't care what the package looks like. I don't care how great it is. I don't care how good it tastes or how much, how much it's worth. I don't care about it. If God is not there, I don't want it. When you become intimate with God, it's not about all the works. It's about his ways, and you want him in your life. You want his presence in your life. You want more of God. You're not satisfied. It's, it's, you could care less about the works. If it happens, all right. If it doesn't, hey. It doesn't change your love for him. In closing, I want to say that um, we can't know God based off our human opinions or intellect. It's, it's just it's, we need to we need to know God intimately by directly dealing with God. So I mean, I, if 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 my wife is just telling me always about God, I'm like, oh, that's good, that's good, and I'm gonna know about God through my wife. Angel, you always telling your wife about God. She's going to know about God through you. But she's going to know him personally when she seeks him, when she's diving into the scriptures, when she's searching and, and desiring a closer relationship with God. Church, I, this message, this message is, is, is first on my heart for me. Because of the things about seeing his works or not. Listen, God kept bringing the people of Israel into situations, right? The Red Sea, no water, all this difficulty. So they would have to deal with God. They would have to deal with him. So that they can finally get face to face with him. And hopefully this time you would really care of wanting to get to know me. We can't say we know God or we're going to be intimate with God if we don't spend any time with him. We can't just be infatuated with him. Can you guys stand to your feet, please? Prayer team, can you start making your way up? The first step in knowing God intimately, the first step in knowing God intimately is really simple. Is to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That's the first step. And some of you guys are like, whew, okay. All right, pastor, I'm good. But not everyone has made that decision. Not everyone has, has acknowledged, you know what? Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, my life is a mess. Yes, I'm not perfect. But you know what? I'm willing to surrender my life today. Yes, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he rose on the third day. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe this. Have you, have you given your life to Christ yet? Have you asked them to come into your heart to forgive you of your sin and save you? Because if you haven't done that, great news is that the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Today's the day. Some of you here have done it many, 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 many years ago. 
Well, you know, I actually used to come, you know, to go to church when I was younger. I did that. Okay. Praise God. But there's been a gap in your walk. There's been a season where you were not serving him. And God wants you to recommit your life to him today. And we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. My wife began to talk about the week that we experienced this week. And of course, <laughs> I got to experience a little bit of this message firsthand because I woke up on Wednesday morning to almost two inches of water on my entire house like the whole house i don't i live on in a ranch like a one floor house so we don't have a second floor or a basement it's everything's on one floor and there was about two inches of i get up and i'm like whoosh, whoosh, like everywhere every room nowhere was safe except the bathrooms which they were dry and the funny thing was, I was on the phone with my wife because she usually, she leaves earlier than I do. She's the early bird. And then I get Abigail to school. So she usually uh, calls us on video to, to see me and Abigail before she goes into work. So I'm on video. I'm about to take her to see Abigail, to go to Abigail's room to, for us to wake her up together. And as soon as I'm walking, I'm like, Whoosh, and I'm like, what is What's going on? And so my wife is watching my face and my reaction and the panic and the, everything that kicked in instantly. And I hear her saying, calm down. It's going to be okay. Relax. We're not going to worry. I'm like, she's not seeing what I'm saying. But she's like, it's okay. I'm like, babe, you don't understand. It's okay. Babe, you don't, it's okay. The Lord used her to remind me that in the midst of chaos, it's all going to be okay. Not because of his works, but because we know his ways. She held on to knowing the ways of God. And although she saw what she saw because she came straight home, like she didn't even go to work that day. And we got to dry out the house together and watch a whole company rip up our floors and rip up our carpets and rip up everything off the walls. And we currently live in a refugee camp right now. Um, it's pretty bad. But even though it's chaos, even though it's turmoil, even though it looks horrible, I have to give my wife the first credit. Because then I had to repent. And I'm like, God, how can I be like these Israelites? Because I was just like the Israelites. At that moment when I didn't see God come through, and then speaking to the insurance company, when, I, when the insurance company told me the things that they were not going to pay for that I had to pay for, I'm like, I'm like, God. I, it, it was just one thing after another. I felt like at that now looking back after God showing giving you know putting all this together i'm like i was an israelite things first of all things could have been worse i was still home thank god 
because you guys know I don't live in Philly. And so what happens is I'll be here all day. I don't get home till sometimes 9 o'clock together, right? We'll get home at 9 p.m. She left at 6.30, no water in the house. I get up at 6.50, house was flooded. In 20 minutes, that's how much water covered the house. Imagine nine hours, 10 hours, what would have happened? Our poor beater dragon, he would have drowned. Biscuit would have died that day. Biscuit's my bearded dragon. It's time we focus on his ways, not his works. Yes, these are still real things. But I can't throw now back in God's face. Uh, oh, you abandoned me. Oh, this and that. Oh, you never come through. Um, he has come through. He will never abandon me. I'll get through this. We'll get over this. It's okay. But it's, it can only be okay because we're understanding the ways of God. And we're not living a life um, saying that we're Christians based off of the works of God. Church, today he wants us to change our focus from his works to his ways. It's really simple. Are we going to trust him? Are we going to make a desire and an effort to get to know him intimately? Because that's what he wants. Don't be comfortable being infatuated with him. Don't be, don't be stuck in that stage. Notch up your relationship. Get serious. Get committed. He's definitely not doing the, you know, that stuff. He doesn't want friends with benefits. He wants commitment. He wants intimacy. He wants dedication, devotion. He wants uh, surrender. He wants obedience. These are hard words for us. These are hard words for us because we don't want to do it. I don't want to dedicate myself. I don't want to be committed. I don't, I don't, I don't want to surrender. I don't want to obey. I don't want to be, I don't want to be controlled. Let it go. And allow God to just take you how he needs to take you, where he needs to take you, how he needs to take you. Seek him. Get intimate with him so that you can understand his ways. When things happen, they don't rock your world. It's just like, wow, God, this is another opportunity for you to show your glory. This is another opportunity for you to show off. Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Continue to do what you've begun in our hearts, in our lives. Father, we need you. We need you more now than ever. In Jesus' name, amen.